Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. This series isn't about how to like be an adult, like how to check the oil. Does anyone know how to check the oil? Any young adults in the room who know how to check the oil? Oh, God is still good. Um, it's not about, you know, how to change a diaper or how to cook a meal. Um, this series, although that may be helpful for some people uh, because of the age of our church, but um, this series is actually about how to grow up into being a spiritual adult, um, how to mature um, in our spirituality, in our relationship with Jesus. And we've had a fantastic time so far. I love Pastor Ben's message on worry, who enjoyed that one. If you haven't listened to it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it um, because it was very powerful. Pastor Ruth last week spoke about work and how when we give our work uh, to God, it, it transforms. It goes from being just a thing that you do nine to five to make some money. It turns from being that into worship. And spiritually mature people understand that. They understand that there is purpose in their work. Um, and you were created for specific work by God. So it's been a fantastic series so far. Today is the last, um, uh, last message in the series. And I'm really excited to share with you today. And to start off, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 2 to 3. It says, And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done. It's kind of saying the same thing over and over three times there, just to make it really clear that God had rested everybody from the work that he had done in all creation. Um, I find it fascinating that an all-powerful God, a God who is limitless, um, that he decided to rest. He chose to rest. He didn't have to because he's God. He's limitless. He's all-powerful. We have limits. God doesn't. And God chose to rest, to enjoy what he had done. Um, And it also says here, that God blessed the seventh day. He blessed the day that he rested on and he made it holy. That tells me something about God. It tells me that God cares about rest. It tells me that rest matters to God. So today we're going to be looking at the topic of rest. Who here could do with a little bit more rest in their lives? Yeah, come on. So I think this is really going to speak to you today. So why are we looking at this topic of rest? Well, um, because even though it matters so much to God, most, spirit, most people are spiritually immature in this area, to be honest, especially Christians. Like a lot of Christians are spiritually immature in the topic of rest. I looked at some of the research on this and it says that more than 50% of Christians um, do not observe uh, Sabbath rest. So in other words... And that's not just to say that they don't believe that it should be enforced like a day a week. That's just to say most Christians don't have real rest, periods of real rest in their week. That's a problem. That's a big problem. I think spiritually mature people, they have the ability to discern what is of God and what isn't of God. Amen? Yep. So if you're a spiritually mature person, you have the ability to discern, yep, that's of God. I'm not sure about that. I don't think that is of God. Now, when it comes to rest, there are different versions of it. 
Yeah, would you agree? Like when it comes to rest and comes to relaxing, there are lots of different ways that people would say they get their rest or, or let's say relaxation. Now, I would say that some versions of rest are of God, but some versions of rest are not of God. And the versions of rest that are not of God, they can be like a trap and they can suck us in. Because although they appear um, to bring rest, in reality, when we engage in them, we're not, fe- we're not left feeling rested, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I would say that that type of rest is counterfeit rest. And here's the first point. People who are not spiritual adults, they fall for counterfeit rest all the time. And I know I have before. Oh man, have I fallen for counterfeit rest before. Um, Who here loves to binge watch stuff, you know, like on Netflix or Disney Plus? What's a a show at the moment, Disney Plus? She-Hulk. Anyone watching She-Hulk at the moment on Disney Plus? A lot of you are like, what? That's a good thing. You passed the test, ladies and gentlemen. Um, But man, how often do people, to get some rest at the end, you know, at the end of their busy week or the end of their busy day even, they'll just sit back on the couch and just start to just focus in and indulge in all types of, let's be honest, guys, rubbish. (laughs) Rubbish on Netflix and Disney Plus and stuff like that. I know I've been that person. And to be completely honest with you, I still am that person sometimes. But who knows that that actually doesn't really leave you feeling properly rested at the end of it, does it? Also, food, right? People find rest in food. It sounds crazy, but it's true. Like people find rest in food. People find rest in KFC. Can I get an amen in the 11 a.m. service? Do we have any honest Christians in the house today? I know you, Jacob. Actually, no, you're you're good. Um, But people, to be honest, people find rest in, in takeaway food, in bad foods, maybe in alcohol, in drinking. People can look to that to kind of feel better. Um, Also, our phones, our devices, we carry them around with us everywhere we go. And so often when life gets tricky, when life gets hard, when we need a break, what do we do? We look to our phone. We open up our phone. We start to scroll through Facebook. We start to scroll through Instagram. Those of us who need extra prayer will start to scroll through TikTok. Um, all of those things that I mentioned, whether it's binge watching stuff, whether it's binge eating stuff, or whether it's scrolling through your phone, all of that, I would say that those things are forms of counterfeit rest. Counterfeit rest. The very best they do for us is maybe bring just a little bit of relaxation maybe to our bodies. If we've been working really hard, maybe it brings a little bit of rest to our bodies because we're kind of not working as hard, like moving as much. But real rest is rest that nourishes the whole person. Real rest is rest that nourishes the whole person. Jesus said in John 4, 13 to 14, Everyone who drinks of this water again will be thirsty, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give in him will become like a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You've got to understand something about yourself. You are not just a body. You have a soul and a spirit, right? You're not just a body. You are a triune being, body, soul, spirit. Real rest is rest that nourishes all aspects of who you are. 
What does your body need? Well, your body needs some different things. Your body needs exercise. Your body needs good food. Um, but your body, and we're going deep today, your body needs sleep. Preach. Yeah. Your body needs sleep. Did you know um, that 75% of people who have been diagnosed with depression, 75% of them suffer from insomnia? There is a clear correlation between lack of sleep and just feeling terrible. That's what the science says. We are made for sleep. When was the last time you averaged eight hours? Uh, maybe there's some uni students in the room. It's like, I'm, I'm 12 hours right here. You don't count, okay. Um, when was the last time like you actually averaged eight hours in your life? Your body needs sleep. But we also have a soul. We have a spirit. What is our soul? What does our spirit need? It needs different things. The soul, the spirit is different to the body. It, therefore, it needs different things to be nourished. Our soul, I would say our soul requires rich, loving relationships. Do you have that in your life at the moment? If not, maybe that's why you feel restless, you know? Um, the science also says that when it comes to rich relationships, people who have them um, are less depressed on average, they heal faster, um, and they also live longer. So having rich, loving relationships in our life, it's actually really important. And we also have a spirit. We have a spirit. What does your spirit need? Your spirit needs your spirit needs the Holy Spirit, if you know what I'm talking about. Now the thing is, if you're not getting nourishment for your soul, for your spirit, and maybe you're just getting maybe a little bit of nourishment for your body, overall you're not going to be feeling amazing. And no wonder you feel like you're burning out. Spiritually mature people understand that they are a triune being and they become good at looking after all aspects, all parts of who they are. Who here loves to drink Coca-Cola? <laughs> Just a couple of people. Um, I'm a drinker of Diet Coke at the moment. I'm on a journey with God in this. <laughs> it started off with Coke, just normal. Then it progressed to Coke No Sugar, and now I've landed on Diet Coke. I think the next step in this process of sanctification will be uh, water just on its own, okay? So I'm a Diet Coke at the moment, and I found out recently that it's actually Diet Coke and Coke No Sugar. They're the most addictive. And here's why, because normal Coke, when you drink it, it tastes really sweet. The body says, okay, this is sweet. It must have energy in it. It looks for the energy. It finds the energy in the sugar. It breaks it down, can store it as energy. It brings some nourishment to the body, right? Where when it comes to Coke No Sugar, when it comes to Diet Coke, you will drink it, it it tastes sweet. Your brain's going, okay, it tastes sweet. There should be energy in here. It looks for the energy, finds the sweetener, can't break it down. Your body's left feeling frustrated. There's no nourishment in this. It passes through you. Your body's crying out for more. That's the way it works with Diet Coke. That's the way it works with Coke No Sugar. And that is the way that it works for most of the counterfeit rest that we engage with. On the outside, it looks good. Maybe it even feels good. But it leaves your body no better off. God wants us to come into a place where we're engaging with real rest that actually properly nourishes our whole person and leaves us feeling awesome. I actually really believe that. There are way too many people feeling burnt out, feeling worn out, feeling done. And I just don't think it's supposed to be that way. 
I don't believe that's God's plan for you. I believe God's plan for you is for you to enjoy awesome rest in your life and have an awesome balance between work, which was preached on last week, and also rest. Amen? Amen. Come on. Um, So real rest that nourishes the whole person is needed. Rest that nourishes the body, the soul, and the spirit. But the question is, how do we get to that place? Like, how do we get this rest that we really, really need? I believe it starts here. If you want real rest, then you need to tart. <laughs> tart. Now I feel hungry. Thanks, Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Um, <laughs> if you want real rest, it starts with taking Sabbath seriously. It starts with taking Sabbath seriously. Now go with me on this. We're going to go on a little bit of a journey here. In Exodus 28 to 11, it says this, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock. This made more sense at the time. Or the sojourner who is within your gates. And then it refers back to Genesis 2. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Um, I think a lot of Christians don't take Sabbath seriously, but I think God still does take Sabbath seriously. The people of Israel were enslaved for a very long time in Egypt. And God led them out of that place through Moses. So they were oppressed. Um, They were used to just working 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They didn't know rest. Then God led them out of that place. And what does God do? God gives the people of Israel, his people, 10 commandments. Um, The top 10. Why did God give the people of Israel the Ten Commandments? It wasn't just to chastise them for fun. Obviously, right? God is a good, loving God. What does He want? He wants the best for us. God wants the best for you. So God gives the people of Israel ten laws, ten commandments. And one of them is about rest, a command to rest. Why would God do that? Well, consider the people, right? They're so used to working 24-7. They actually need some strong leadership in this area. They need a higher authority to tell them, you need to stop. Sabbath is about ceasing from work. Because what can happen is, if we are not in submission, I guess, to that commandment, we can just go on working because there is a broken part of us that feels like we need to work and work and work in order to have value. The people of Israel were brought out of a place where there was oppression, where there was nonstop work. So what did Sabbath do? Sabbath reminded them of who they really were. They're not human doings, neither are you. They're human beings, right? Work is important. There's purpose in work. We learned about that last week. But at the same time, you were not just made to work. Someone needs to hear that today. You were not just made to work 24-7, to never switch off. You're made to be a human being. You're made to be in relationships, right, with other people. Be in relationship with God. Sabbath is important. God instituted it. Now, some people have a weird relationship with Sabbath and uh, kind of think, yeah, that's kind of like Old Testament stuff. Jesus came along, new covenant. We can do what we want, whatever. Um, 
I don't think many Christians actually think that way. At least they don't say it that way. But, um, you know, Jesus didn't completely do away with Sabbath. He just brought further revelation to it. So Jesus was in, he was in arguments with the Pharisees all the time because they didn't understand Sabbath. They didn't understand the heart of it, right? They, they started to, to almost, um, they became so religious that they forgot what Sabbath was all about and they just were caught up in rules to the point where when Jesus would heal a person or cast out a demon, cast a demon out of a person on the Sabbath, the Pharisees would come and have a go at Jesus. But Jesus brought this revelation that we need to understand and that is that Sabbath isn't made for God. Sabbath was made for man. Sabbath was actually made for us. So when we approach Sabbath, it's not supposed to be some ritualistic, legalistic, super structured thing. It's supposed to benefit us. It's supposed to fit in with God, what God is doing in our life in the context at the time. So maybe for one person that looks like taking a Saturday just to disconnect from work and, and to be with God, to, to nourish all aspects of who you are. But maybe that doesn't work so much for you because of the nature of your work or the nature of the season that you're in with a young family or whatever it is. But you still need to find time within your life and within your rhythm to be able to Sabbath, which is to stop, to cease from work, to be, to nourish all aspects of who you are. Amen. So Sabbath is important to God, it matters, and yet we don't take it seriously. And why don't we take it seriously? I think, maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I think sometimes um, just by neglecting Sabbath or, or not thinking about it or not making real time for rest in our week, we're not realizing it, but we actually are not taking it seriously. So maybe you could be in that place today. I know I've been in that place for a long time in my life, and I'm only just starting to realize it. So why does that happen? I think it's because we're just so busy, right? Life is busy, amen? Man, it's busy. And because life is busy, we feel like we don't have time. And when life is busy, when we feel like we don't have time, what happens is we just settle for the second best when it comes to rest, like counterfeit type of rest. We never really engage with proper rest. We just don't really prioritize it. And this is where things start to get a little bit intense this morning. So I pray that you will go with me, Bright Church, but I feel like God really wants to say something. If you are someone who feels like you don't have enough time for Sabbath, real Sabbath, you need this revelation. You need this today. You need to hear this. God can do more in a second than you can do in a lifetime. I remember when I was a kid and we would go on family holidays and I would get into the car, I would fight with my siblings for a bit and then I would fall asleep after all that hard work. <laughs> and then two hours later, I would wake up and I'm at the destination. It's the best feeling in the world. I used to hate long car trips. I used to, oh man, it's boring, right? But you fall asleep, you wake up, you're there. And it's like, how good is this? You know, I think sometimes what God wants to do is he wants us to get out of the driver's seat, go into the back seat. He wants to take the wheel and he wants to take us into our destiny. But what we tend to do is we don't want to let go because there's something inside of us, something broken that thinks that we're in control of the outcome and not God. When we have real rest in our life, we're actually honoring God because this is what we're doing. 
We're saying, God, there's a lot happening in my life at the moment. I don't have a lot of time. I'm very busy. But Father, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some time to have some real rest. And why? Because I'm just acknowledging, God, that I'm not sovereign over everything. You are sovereign over everything. I'm recognizing, Lord, that I'm not in control of the outcome. You are in control of the outcome. And when we posture ourselves that way, it actually invites God to come in and move in our lives. I thought that point was a little bit better, but whatever. <laughs> in Psalm, thanks guys. Dream team up the back. Thank you. In Psalm 127.2, it says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he being God, he is the one who gives to his beloved sleep. I wonder how much of what we're doing, I wonder how much of it is actually kind of in vain. You know, they don't, I'm talking about studies a fair, a fair bit today. <laughs> Here's another one for you. They've done some recent studies and they found that people who work 70-hour weeks and people who work 50-hour weeks, the outcome, what they produce, is practically the same. How weird is that? Um, as a teacher, I know that if a student is going to do really, really well, I would encourage them to work hard, but at the same time, you need, they need good sleep. They're better off working hard than getting a good long sleep then working really hard into all hours of the night and getting a shorter sleep because the brain actually needs time to recover and to retain information and to process it and all that's happening without us even being conscious of it um, amazing things can happen when we rest god can move god can do things when we rest the inconvenient truth is that people who don't observe sabbath um this is going to come across intense. So warning, people who don't observe Sabbath and they feel like they just can't stop because maybe what they're doing is so important and maybe what they're doing, they just don't have time to stop. Maybe their lives are just too busy. You know, the chances are that maybe they've become prideful. Maybe they've become prideful workaholics thinking that they're in control of the outcome and not God. And that's a place where you never want to arrive. In the Old Testament, there were three foreign little G gods worshipped by the neighbouring nations of Israel. The, the three most common ones. And uh, we would understand that there is only one God and other gods who were worshipped back at this time. And, you know, I'm going to say in a moment that it can still kind of happen today. These little G gods were actually demonic spirits. And next week we start a new series. We're going to hear a little bit about angels and demons. Who's excited for that? So the three main little G gods worshipped in the Old Testament. The first one was the God of Mammon. So the God of Mammon was the God of possessions, right? So people would worship the God of Mammon um, if they had a, a heart that longed for things and stuff and money, so I think that that spirit is still at work in the world today. This spirit didn't just disappear, just comes in different forms, different shapes, figures out new ways to deceive people. And man, how often do we just get sucked in by stuff, seduced by stuff, wanting more stuff? Another little G God in the Old Testament was the God called Asherah. And Asherah is the God of pleasure, the God of pleasure. And oh man, this spirit definitely still at work in the world today. 
How often are people just led by their feelings, wanting to feel good, you know, fill their eyes with, with stuff that, you know, makes them feel better about themselves, gives them that moment of ecstasy or whatever it is, fill their ears with stuff that just makes them feel good. It's easy to fall into that trap. It's easy to fall for the trap of Asherah. But the third little G God that we read about a lot in the Old Testament is Baal. If you're someone who loves the Bible, if you're, if you're someone who spends a lot of time in the Old Testament, you're going to come across this name Baal, B-A-A-L, a lot. Little G God Baal and neighboring nations to Israel and even Israel sometimes fell into worshipping Baal. And Baal is the God of work or power. So the way that it works with Baal is that if you want success, if you want the outcome, you got to work for it. You got to sacrifice in fact, if there wasn't enough rain to produce crops, what they would do is they would sacrifice more. It would get to the point where they would sacrifice people. Even parents would sacrifice a child. That's how crazy it was. And I think that that spirit sometimes can seduce us in 2022, thinking that we need to work for things. There's this amazing story that involves um, the prophet Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Maybe you've heard of it before. But what happens is, is Elijah confronts God's people, the people of Israel, and he says, how long are you going to go limping between two different beliefs, two different opinions? One second you're worshipping God, the God, Yahweh, our God, the real God, but then the next minute you're trying to earn the outcome or get the success, so you're going to Baal and you're worshipping Baal. How long are you going to go limping between these two things? Let's figure out who the real God really is. So they set up this altar. You've got the prophets of Baal on one side. You've got Elijah on the other. And uh, then something awesome happens. Let me read to you what happens. So in 1 Kings 18 to 28, you have the prophets of Baal. They go first. And it says, They cried out aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. Wild. <laughs> Welcome to Bright Church, everybody. Uh, pretty crazy. So these guys, they weren't seeing anything happen. So what do they do? They keep pushing. They keep working. They, they, take, they get real serious. They start to cut themselves thinking this will appease Baal, the God of work, the God of power. And then something will happen. Then fire will come from heaven and, and cause the altar to light. So they're pushing and they're pushing. It says in verse 29, and as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. However, despite all their effort, despite all their sacrifice, despite all their hard work, it says, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. It was all for nothing. Man, how often do we fall into the trap of working hard, sacrificing hard, um, trying to just make something happen and it's all in vain? So what happens next? Elijah shows up. Elijah, he's spiritually mature. He, he understands that uh, at the end of the day, God is the one in control. So he approaches it differently. He approaches the altar. He lifts up his voice. He looks to God and he starts to pray, God, would you bring fire from heaven to consume this altar? He looks to God. He, he glorifies God. He gives God the glory. And what happens? Fire from heaven comes down and consumes, consumes the offering. It's an amazing story. It's a story that shows that God is the one in control. God is sovereign. And sometimes what can happen is we can get so caught up in, in work, in sacrifice, um, that we forget that. 
we forget that we're not Lord of the outcome. God is Lord of the outcome. Spiritual adults can stop and trust God with the outcome. They carry a revelation about Sabbath rest that immature people don't carry. And now this is still something that I'm still wrapping my head around, this next point. As I was preparing this message, I felt that God led me to this. I felt that this was supposed to be the main thing, the main idea, the thing that people really take away from today. Because I think that this, revelation of this, will be what unlocks rest in your life. So God put it on my heart and I'm still grappling with it. But I want to read to you a really powerful scripture from Matthew 11 verses 28 to 29. It's Jesus speaking and Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is the Sabbath. In Jesus and Jesus alone, do we find rest. Without him, there is no rest. What can happen as Christians, as what, what tends to happen is we, we believe in Jesus, we even take it a step further and get really spiritual and we even follow commandments of Jesus. But sometimes we neglect to really walk in the way of Jesus, to adopt his, his lifestyle, to adopt um, the rhythm of Jesus. In other words, to really be walking in the Spirit. Jesus says, come to me, but he doesn't just say, come to me and you will find rest. He adds something. He says, come to me, take my yoke upon you and then the rest will come. What is the yoke of Jesus? The yoke of Jesus is the way of Jesus. It's the commandments of Jesus, but it's actually following his lifestyle, following in his way. The four gospels, yes, they're there to teach us things like teach us commandments, um, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. Don't murder, awesome. Um, don't commit adultery, fantastic. I've found that what can happen as good Christian people is we can be great at like following the rules and we can even believe in Jesus come to church. But when you actually look at our lives and when we read about the life of Jesus, there's a disconnect there. We have a different rhythm to what Jesus had. So when it comes to finding real rest, the way of Jesus isn't just believing in him and maybe following a few commandments. It's actually walking in his way. It's finding his rhythm. There are things that we read that Jesus did in the Bible. And I think that if we can look at it and we can do it in our own lives, it's going to lead us to a place of nourishment and rest. So what I wanna to do today is I wanna give you three things to help you out. Three things Jesus did. And I believe if you do it, things are gonna change for you. You're gonna stop feeling so worn out all the time. You're gonna stop feeling so depleted. And you're gonna have a better pace for life. That's actually gonna end up in you being happier and being more fruitful. So who wants to hear these three things? Come on, let's do it. Let's end in a really practical way. Um, you have a body, your body needs rest. In Mark 4, 37 to 38, we read about Jesus um, being in the boat 
He's out at sea. He's with his disciples. You know the story really well. Um, there's a storm. There's water crashing over the side of the boat. Everyone's freaking out. The disciples even say, Jesus, we're drowning. Help us. And what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping in the middle of this storm. They're afraid they're going to die. And yet Jesus is totally at ease. He's asleep. He's rested, head on a pillow. You know, I think that um, when we're walking in the way of Jesus, we have this ability to find good sleep, regardless of how crazy everything is in our lives. Regardless of what's happening, um, maybe in the lives of our kids, maybe there's some stresses, there's stuff going on. Maybe there's things happening in the life of our spouse. Maybe there's pressures at work. Maybe there's some financial problems. And even in all of these storms, we can come to a place where we can still get a good night's sleep. That may not sound very spiritual, but I really think it's so important. I think there are a lot of people who are looking for spiritual, deep spiritual answers. And God is saying, I oh, just, you need eight hours. You need to get eight hours sleep. It's what your body needs. Jesus modelled good sleep. Jesus modelled good rest. If you want to be rested, you need to start sleeping how Jesus slept. The second thing is we have a soul. We know what our soul needs. Our soul needs a lot of things. One of the most important things is rich, loving relationships if we're going to feel nourished. Man, I love it that at the very start of the ministry of Jesus, He's got three years to change the world. What would you do if you had three years to change the world? Probably try and make a viral YouTube video. Hopefully it goes off, right? What does Jesus do? Well, I'll tell you what He doesn't do. He doesn't go out straight away, um, start telling people about all their sin and, and, and healing straight away and doing all this crazy stuff and talking to them about, you know, the cross and everything that's coming up. He doesn't do that straight away. How does the ministry of Jesus start? It starts at a wedding. He's gathered some disciples and what does he do? They're probably ready to go. Like, come on, Jesus, let's go. Let's go get some sinners today. Let's go talk about the kingdom. Come on, let's do it. Let's go heal some people, Jesus. Cast out some demons. And Jesus is going, nah, a family friends, it's got a wedding. Let's go to that. <laughs> and then what does he do? He goes there, he turns water into wine. Hallelujah. Jesus had time for loving, rich relationships. Jesus made time to go to the party. Jesus made time for the wedding. You honestly think you don't have time? For your family, for your friends? Man, sometimes we can get so caught up in ministry that we miss the ministry that's all around us. If you want rest in your life, you need to walk in the way of Jesus. A part of walking in the way of Jesus is making time for rich, loving relationships. We also have a spirit. Our spirit needs rest. There are some throwaway short verses throughout the gospel. We all know that if it's in this book, it matters, doesn't it? If it's in this book, it matters. It's there deliberately. And as we are reading through the Gospels, oftentimes we read just a short verse, something like this in Luke 5, 16. It says, But he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Full stop. They move on. Now, it's easy just to read over that, glance over it, and not realize the significance of that. 
This is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He always was, always is, and always will be the Alpha and the Omega. What did he do? He would withdraw from all the people, from all the staff, and he would spend time in the secret place with his Father in heaven because he understood he needed it. Jesus would make time to connect. Before Jesus did ministry, where would you find him? You would find him praying. You would find him in the secret place. After Jesus did ministry, where would Jesus go? He would withdraw. He would disconnect. He would go into the secret place. We have a spirit and it was made for the secret place. You have a spirit and it needs to be connected to God. You need a pit stop regularly, regularly, all the time. As much as you can get it, you need it. Maybe what if, what if the reason you feel so worn out, so burnt out, so tired, what if it's just because you're not nourishing your spirit, you're not coming into the secret place, getting away from distractions and just spending time with God. Jesus modeled it. We need it. Come on, Bright Church. Let's be a church that loves the secret place. Let's be a church that finds it hard to get out of the secret place. You want to know something about your senior pastor, Pastor Ben? Sometimes, he's probably watching right now. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm telling him. Sometimes he arrives maybe just a minute or so late to Dream Team Huddle. When we do a Dream Team Huddle, we pray before every service. Why? Because we want you guys to encounter God. Because we love you. We want God to move. We want to see people saved. We want to see people set free. We want to see people healed. So we'll come together as a team and we will pray together for God to move. And every now and then, Ben would maybe just be a few seconds, maybe a minute late. You want to know why? Because he's been in the secret place. And Pastor Ben loves it so much, time gets away from him. What an awesome pastor to have where, why are you late? I was just love, I was in prayer and it was so awesome. It was a struggle to get out of it. You know, I want to I want to become the person who's late to stuff, not because I'm disorganized, but because I just love Jesus so much that I'm rocking up a little bit late to things. You know, come on, guys. Do you love the presence of God? Do you love the presence of God? Come on. We're made for it. I really believe that God is saying for people today to to stop and come. Spiritually mature people, they understand that they have a body, a soul and a spirit and they're made for the presence of God. They're able to stop, to disconnect, get their head out of that space and come into a place where it's them and God and they just dine with Him. And it brings nourishment to them. I want to pray for you. Can you close your eyes? If you're here today and you feel unrested in your heart, And you know if this is you. If you feel unrested, I just want you to raise your hand right now and I want to pray for you. I believe that the Holy Spirit is in this room. I believe that God can do more in a second than we can achieve in a lifetime. And I I just believe that He wants to do something in your heart today. Father God, I thank You that You're here. God, I thank You that You're a God of rest. You're not just a God of work. Father, I thank You that... um, that you bring rest to the person who is restless, who is worn out, who is burnt out. God, you bring rest to that person. Jesus, you said, come to me. And a part of the promise was, if we come to you, 
If we take your yoke upon us, then we will just come into this place of bliss and rest. And God, I pray right now in this moment, as people are deciding to come to you, as they're deciding once again to take your yoke upon them, Father, I know that you will come through on your end of the deal and you will bring them supernatural rest. Right now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and just minister to people. Every person who boldly placed their hand up in the air and said, God, I need you. I know you're going to touch them. God, you say you oppose the, the prideful person. But God, you move in the life of the humble person the person who can recognise that they're not where they should be and they need rest and they need help. God, I really know right now in this moment that you're doing something. Father God, I, I pray for the person here today who's struggling to sleep. They've got insomnia. They're, they're trying to sleep. They've been woken up in the middle of the night. God, I pray in Jesus' name that that would shift, that, that would change. God, I pray that your supernatural rest would come upon them. God, I pray over the coming week, over the coming months, that there would be a, a shift in what's happening. That God, any, um, any opposition, maybe spiritual opposition that's coming against their sleep, in Jesus' name, I pray against it. Um, I bind it in the name of Jesus and I loose rest in that person's life in Jesus' name. Father God, I lift up. I lift up those in the room who feel as though they just can't stop, who've developed a habit in their life of thinking that working hard and sacrifice is the measure of their value. God, I pray right now they come into a deep revelation of your love for them, of their value. It's not about how much they do. It's not about how much, how much they achieve, even how much they achieve for you, God. It's not about that. You love them. You value them. You're going to look after them. You're sovereign. You're in control of the outcome and not them. God, I pray that they would be able to let go and just let you move in their life. And Father, I know, I know that you're going to take them 10 times further, 100 times further than they could ever take themselves. So God, I pray that they would just realise that right now here in this moment. God, I thank you that you're present. I thank you that you love us. I thank you for the rest that you bring us. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.